Praise God. This table needs to be stabilized. I hope it's not going to fall. Amen. Yes, Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father. Speak to us, O oh God. Teach us your word, O oh God. Open up our hearts. Let your word illuminate our hearts. Let our lives never remain the same again. Let our lives be transformed for good. Thank you, glorious Father. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Amen. Praise God. Let a living soul shout hallelujah. Let a living soul shout hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so yesterday, um, Otim, that's the ministry of Pastor Funkeige, they invited me to speak at their conference. And uh, I was to speak on sons and slaves. Yeah, and it was a great time speaking at the conference. But after the conference, God began to, you know, expand the, God began to expand the theme for the, for the conference in my heart. And so I'm just going to share with us uh, what I shared yesterday and beyond that, as Lord, as Lord will have me do. So I've titled this sermon, you are a son, right? You are a son. And if you are looking at the word son, you're talking about male and female. Or let me just simply put it this way, for those who are, who are yet to come to that understanding, you are a son and you are a daughter. Can you say that to yourself, that I'm a child of God? I'm his son, and I'm his daughter, and he is my father. Our text is Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Now we are no longer living like slaves, All right, under the law. We are no longer living like slaves under the law. But we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we are His, we can access everything our Father asks. For we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. This was Paul written to the Galatians church. And he was saying to them that, see... Uh, you need to walk in the consciousness. You see, knowing who you are is important in succeeding in life. All right? When the purpose of something is not known, abuse is inevitable. There is a swag that comes with walking in the consciousness of a son. Walking in that reality that I am I'm not a slave to sin, but I am a child of God. And slave in this connotation was Paul, 
uh, trying to you know, differentiate between being a son and being a slave. Slave to sin, not a bond servant of, of our lordship to Jesus, as Paul had referred to in quite a number of his epistles. He said, I'm a bond servant in chain, meaning that I am, I've submitted my will, my life to the lordship of Jesus. All right. But here Paul was saying, you are not, you are no longer a slave to sin. In other words, it, this was a continuation of perhaps a message that had preached to them. They have come to the knowledge of God. They've come to the knowledge of Jesus. He had, he had told them about the death. He had told them about the crucifixion. He had told them about the ascension of Jesus. And perhaps he told them that sometime, sometimes in the future, God, Jesus will is going to show up again. So, you should no longer walk in the consciousness of sin. That's it's as simple as that. You see, sin in itself will hold you down if you keep walking in the consciousness of sin even though you have come to the knowledge of truth. I say to you that if you read the Gospels throughout Jesus' ministry on earth, he had encounters with every form of people. The, the lepers that were considered to be uh, an outcast in the society. Uh, people who had demons. People who had gone on the left side of life with their life having no direction and meaning. With people that were considered to be sinners in the society. Someone like Matthew, who was a tax collector, though a Jew, but wasn't a fan of his own people because he had a relationship with the Romans. Someone like Peter, who had, who was at some point in his life was very unstable and was in an immense debt to the Roman government. He was, he was doing a lot of tax, or taxes as the case may be. There's a plural for taxes. I don't know. So Paul is saying, you are no longer a slave. You are a child of God, and God is your father. The Bible admonished us that our sin and iniquities, he has forgiven, and he remembers it no more. It is, the, it is when your mind is trying to play game with you that keeps bringing back the memories of who you were before you met Jesus. And that's sometimes the, the strategy of the devil to keep us down. Do not forget when that thought comes, say to that thought, I am, for there is therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. You see, you bring into submission thoughts, evil thoughts by the word. Uh, yesterday at the, at the upper room, I, was it the upper room? I think it was the upper room. Was it on Friday? Upper room. That's it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 told us our weapons of warfare. And then the only offensive weapon of warfare that we have is what? It's the word of God. That's the sword. That's the only thing we con that we can fight with. Every other weapon are defensive to protect yourself. 
And so the greatest battle really is in the mind. Is in the mind. That's where the greatest battle is. And so sometimes you want to think, oh, somebody is doing you. No, it's the, the, the greatest battle is actually in your mind. We need to grow above thinking that we are slaves. Friends, do not ever allow thoughts that is not in conformity with God's plan for your life to keep you down. The devil wants to continuously and consistently keep you down. No wonder the Bible says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, a power, and what? And a sound mind. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, is that what we are reading? 4. 5. Is it 5 or 4? <laughs> of course, I know it's 4. Galatians 4, 7. I just wanted to be sure you are following me. Now we are no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we are ease, we can access everything. Now, if you read the... Let's, let's start from Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that here, as long as he is a child, does not differ all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but he is under guidance and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements, under the power, under the authority of this world, under the influences of the world. But when we, but when the fullness of time, in other words, that fullness of time had already passed, right? Because Jesus had come, he had been crucified once and for all. So that time had passed. So uh, the, the fullness of time was set by God for Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary. And that event had already happened. Okay. And so our journey to sonship begins by us saying yes to grace that Jesus has made available to us. So if you're asking, oh, you say I'm a son, I'm a this, well, well, the journey starts with accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and walking with him. So how do you become a son, you may ask. You ask, you, you, you become a son, I beg your pardon, by saying yes to the grace of God. And in verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born, all right, under the law, born of a woman under the law. Jesus sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman under the law. So, there are two things here that you must pay attention to. Uh, that's an indicate, indication of God, of, of Jesus being God, of Jesus being a deity, of being a God. And then, so we say, Jesus was 100% man. And it wasn't represent God. We just read it out. So Jesus being human can relate with our feelings. He feels what you feel. He knows your pain. He knows your struggles. He knows your disappointments. He knows about the betrayals. 
Why? Because he went through all of those things. Jesus suffered betrayal by betrayal from Paul. His, even his siblings betrayed him. His townspeople betrayed him. They didn't even believe in him anyway. His entire is the Jews. Were they not the ones that nailed him to the cross? But it's good to be a son. You know, I gave an illustration yesterday that I remember when I was in secondary school. I used to hold school fees. Not because my dad did not want to pay. There was no money. I was waiting for salary. Sometimes they would not get paid six months. I don't know how they wanted them to, to survive. But I think it's still happening to date. Let's just pray for our nation. God will have mercy. Say, God have mercy on Nigeria. You know, this for a crisis thing, eh? I've known it for over 30 years. You, you, it's just there that one day it will happen. There will be four crises. Someday shall. Everything might be smooth now. We are just sure that sometimes, some, some people will just do something sharp. But I just know that one day our story will change completely. Amen. And so my dad will write a note to me, for me. And then he will say, the bearer to Lopege is my son. Uh, he will put the name of the dear principal. Principal, something, something, I can grammar school. There's son, there's the bearer. To is my son and all of that and all of that. So whenever teacher comes to class to send us to, they, they come with a long list. They come to the class. Sometimes, if it is towards the end of the term, they won't come to your class. They will start from the assembly ground. So we will even enter the class. So they will come to the class. Say, eh, something, something. The moment they call my name, I'll just remove my letter. That's all I owe them. I have to know the person that he's talking is your superior. You're a teacher. My dad was a principal. So you listen. So you take it to your superior. Or he will tell me to walk to the office of the principal. So I realize that takes a longer process. So usually, I will apply with them. I will start from the class. So you take it to the principal. So when the moment they call my name, you get to look back and say, yes, sir. I say, yeah, I know. My dad says, I should give you this. Who is the daddy? Read the letter. I said, they will look and say, ah, one more got in here. I said, yes. But sometimes that comes with extra cane because the day they are punishing the entire class, they will give me a special because you, you are a teacher's son. All right. So, what I'm saying is that being a son comes with privileges. Rights and privileges. In this case, the subject we're looking before us is becoming, I mean, being the sons of God. And the Bible says and made it clear to us that because we've come to that knowledge of grace, we've accepted it, we've embraced it, so what Jesus could do, we can do. So which is why Jesus would say to them while he was living, I have done great works, I've done good works, but greater works you shall do. But the other thing is this. Becoming a son also comes with responsibility, right? But we'll soon get to that. It's good to be a son. It's a good feeling to know 
that you have a father. It's a good feeling to know that you have a father. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Whom also we have. Let me start with. Um, let me, before I go to that, I want to say that we become a son through the works that Jesus did, and we are assured of our sonship by the Holy Spirit. So it says, I am living. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified so that you can have access to grace. But I'm going to also assure that grace by giving you my Holy Spirit that will teach you all things. So the Bible says to us in Romans chapter chapter 8, I think, for as many that are led by the Spirit, they will be called the sons of God. Am I correct? I said earlier that when you are a son, one of the first things that you have, one of the first privileges, perhaps the first privilege is that you have a relationship with God. And one of the, in fact, one of the basic things of life is to feel loved and be loved and love others. And which of you here does not want to be loved? Let me see you. I don't love, nobody should love me. I don't want to be loved by anybody. Everyone in life needs a relationship. And so when we come to that knowledge of grace, when we embrace it and say yes to it, we start a relationship with God. That's where we start from. That's the first benefit. You just feel, I'm sure a number of us say if you're born again, you will remember your first experience. How did you feel the first time you, read, you, you, you made that confession? Tell me, tell me. How did you feel? Excitement? Is it actually excitement? You feel some relief in your spirit. It will, it will, it will, you feel as though the truth is something has changed. You feel an unusual love, love that you've never felt before because you've started a relationship with God. And to know that God is your father comes with a sense of security. I am loved. I am loved. Which is where sometimes in the whole family you see only, maybe they are not Christians and one person becomes born. The whole family will turn their back on that person. But as difficult as that could be, the person will remain on that journey because there is an assurance of God's love. That even though the world, the entire world can turn their back against me, but I know God will never do that. There is a sense of, of peace that comes with it. And so you read Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Romans chapter 5. Where is Romans? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, can we read that together? 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Meaning that we have a relationship with him. Me and my father, we, there is no fight anymore. There is no, we, we are just, we are now Padis. There is no, there is no, we have this peace. We have peace with God. We have a relationship with God, peace with God. The two basic things of life is to love and be loved. Is what says his love has been shared abroad in our hearts. And so when we do that, it becomes easier for us to love. It becomes easier for us to love. If you read Romans 8, verse 14 to 17, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then hears, hears of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, then we may also be glorified together. So Abba, Father, describe our relationship a shed love and fellowship in which the Father pours out his blessing, he pours out his love upon us, his children, and then we pray in that knowledge and with the childlike anticipation of receiving all the Father has for us. And so when you have a relationship with God, you will always anticipate his blessing. Just the same way my child will come to me every now and then, even though you have said no many times to a number of his requests, he will never stop coming. Because he anticipates that my dad will always give things to me. So you see my children coming, sometimes after fellowship or after service, they will come and pick sweet on my table. Sometimes I say no, sometimes I say yes. They don't have a concern for who is going to buy my shoe, who is going to buy my clothes, who is going to pay my fees, who is going to pay my rent. They are always anticipating that my dad will bless me. So when you are a son, when you are his daughter, why wouldn't you anticipate his blessing for your life? Why would you not look forward to God blessing you all the time? When he has already told him, my, my thought towards you is of good and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. See, friends, you don't have business with worrying. He's already told you, out of which of you, by worrying, can add just one meter to your height or even one inch. We anticipate his blessing because there is already a relationship. I should not have a fear for my future and allow that to weigh me down. What should I do? I will just cast my care upon him because he cares. Simple. The thought will come just, you know, it's okay. God is there. You will hand him. Just, just submit it over to God. That child that looks as if, oh, maybe the child is growing, just growing or being a child. I wouldn't want to say the child is stubborn. Just hand that boy over to God. You should not have a business worrying yourself about what enemies can do to you. 
If a man's way pleases the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. You're already at peace with God. If a man be with, if a man is in peace with God, if you already have peace with God, why will your enemy not have peace with you? So you should not have business worrying over anybody. Amen. Amen. Because we have a relationship, we call him Abba Father. And you will see Jesus while speaking. <laughs> he said, teaching his disciples how to pray. He said, pray this way. He started with our Father. You couldn't separate Jesus' word from his father's word. So if Jesus will call God my father, you too, he's your father. Because the Bible will make it clear. He's made that clear already. We are peace with God. We are peace with God. I'm going to close now, but I'm sure there's a lot to talk about. But let me just close. I still have about three or more points to say, but our time is first spent. And I don't want us to rush it. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. When you have a relationship with him, you have access to him. And I'm going to give you an example. Um, I can come to your house to say hello to you. Why? I can visit you in your home. I can come and say, I'm coming to your house today. Why do I have, why, why? Because I already have a relationship with you. If we've never met before, I can't just walk up to somebody on the street and say to you, please, I'm coming to your house tomorrow. The first thing that will come to that person's mind is, you, look, you dress really nice. <laughs> but are you sure everything is okay? That reminds me of an event two weeks ago. I was at the supermarket in the back, wanted to buy stuff. I just met a man shouting. And the first thing that what I referred, what I heard was, Do I know you? Do I know you? Don't greet me. The woman that he was responding to was just smiling. The woman said, I'm just greeting. He said, Don't you know Nigeria is tough? There is no money anywhere, no cash. I'm frustrated. Don't greet me. I don't know you. So when the man just kept quiet and the woman walked away, you know. I just, me, I just like to ask. I just called him and said, excuse me, madam. I said, are you buying something? I, I, I asked her, you know, I said, where is your, I said, where is your tray on the queue? Because we're actually on the queue. I said, this, I said, I said, I said so you are buying something? I said, yes. I said, you and that man, where were you fighting? He said, I don't know. He said, I only greeted the man. Meanwhile, the man had thought the woman was going to ask him for money. Because I just heard, don't greet me. I said, don't greet me, madam. I don't know you. And so if you walked up to someone, and I said, excuse me, I'm coming to your house to have lunch. Excuse me? From where? How? 
Have we met before? And if you say no, the next question is, are you sure everything is okay? So I cannot come to your house except I have peace with you. Except I have a relationship with you. And so Romans 5, chapter 2 says to us that we have access to the Father. And that's why you can go to him in prayers and be rest assured that he's listening to you. And for sometimes if God does not respond, he's an answer. I hope you know. That God is quiet on a matter. He is responding. Let me tell you that response. Go on, wait. Until you hear from me. Romans chapter 5 verse 2 says, Through whom we also, through whom we also have access by faith into, everything is by faith, by believing, into, is, into this grace in which we do what? In which we stand, right? We stand and rejoice in hope of God's glory. Now this is, this is how this affects our prayer life. We do not come to him groveling. We don't snivel in self-contempt as beggars. We have no right to be there. We have no right to be a beggar. All right? We have no right to be, to be a derelict. Who have to come to the, to the back door for a handout. We come as children of the king, knowing that we are welcome any time of the day. You don't go to God and say, please give me. You know I'm hungry. No, you don't do that. Which is why you will sing. I cannot bow before you and bow before any man. I cannot kneel before you and still go to human beings begging. No, I won't do that. God does not expect you to do that. You don't go to God shivering. I, I, I told them, you know, the story, reminded them of the story of the prodigal son. He had taken all. This was a, this was a son that had wished, see, in the Jewish culture, if you ask for your father, your inheritance, while he's still alive, you are still saying that you are good for nothing, just go and die. Give me my own. I don't care whether you live or you die. And it was not only the son, the one that asked that was, that has uh, done wrong. Even the one at home was supposed to mediate between the father and the son. He kept his, his cool. Within that. So once you have your own, I will have my own too. It's not a problem. So he has, has committed an offense as the first, the second son has also committed an offense as the first son. But you, anyway, when you do a bit of study on that, you will understand better. And so he had misbehaved, he's taking all and he has gone away. He wasted everything, living like beggars. And he thought, he just, he just came back to his house and said, oh, one more. Even in my father's house, slaves don't even, they're not treated like this. I'm going home. Why will he go home? Because he knows that no, no matter how bad he bad, my father is my father. He will accept me. So wherever you have been through, whether you have gone left, negative, sidewards, upward, downwards, you can always come home. That's what grace does. You are welcome to your father's presence anytime. Saying to him, Daddy, I am so sorry. I didn't know I was that wrong. Forgive me. And that's it. 
and that's as simple as that. Even if you don't say sorry, you know why? <laughs> because your sin of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, everything compressed in the blood of Jesus, He had done all the works. But of course, He expects us to be responsible, right? As, as we always expect our children to grow, He will expect you to be responsible. And which is what you say, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't have to walk in shame. He loves you just the way you are. He loves your present. He loves your future. He loves you with your past. Just like that. You see, the functions of mercy in itself is to take us out of a mess. That's what mercy does. And it is not dependent on your action or your inaction. It is God taking a position by himself for himself for you. I have decided to love you. Don't worry. Nothing else you can do to merit that, which is why it's a gift. But when a gift is given to you, you do not just take it and mess it up. You accept it. You love it. And you say, thank you. We're going to stop here today. But I hope the world has blessed you. Right? Can we just lift up our hands to God? God bless you. Thank you for listening.